0: the meme where it was i don't even know where it originated from there's like an online post and someone asked for like a rating out of 10 or something on like how good it was and someone commented and they're like a perfect score five out of seven and everyone's like what he's like yeah perfect score five out of seven and so it became like a huge thing so like i always comment on people's things that are like i like a lot i'm like Mm -hmm. yeah five out of seven Five out of seven, great job. They're like, that's a weird scale. I'm like, yeah, perfect score. Yeah,
1: five out of seven, no notes. Like, what? But there's two points off. There has to be notes.
0: Nope, it's a perfect score. As I said, five out of seven. Like this podcast. Hey. The Gems of History podcast, which you're listening to right now. You are,
1: hello. Through your ear holes. Yes. Hello, my darlings.
0: Welcome. We are Jacob Shop and... Wait, we both are. No. Oh shoot. Collectively we are Jacob Shop and Evan Roosh. There we go. See, we've done this before. We're getting there. How are you doing
1: today, Evan? Doing just dandy. I mean, we were just talking before. I think I found my new favorite drink and Jacob said that it's gross. It's I said it sounds gross. I have not tried it. Right. But we need I need to tell the audience what it is, so and stick with me. But it's jalapeno infused tequila. I wonder how many people just whoever listens to Start this in off. the morning is like pause. done.
0: Yep.
1: Skip, skip, skip. But it's jalapeno tequila, pineapple juice, triple sec and lim- or excuse me lime juice. and you mix it up and then of course, put it over ice. And it is without a doubt, one of my favorite drinks now. Was
0: this just something that you like? Threw together because you had nothing else in your house? I'm naming it.
1: I'm I'm naming it. My girlfriend left a bottle over.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. okay. Because I have definitely done that before where I just threw stuff that I had in my fridge together and made a drink out of it.
1: Right. It's no, it's a legit recipe that I found on some site. I don't know. Yeah. You can probably Google it, but yep. That's, I was like, wow, I kind of have this random bottle that no one's ever going to touch. So might as well use it for recording a funny history episode.
0: I had Mark, the former host of the Gems of History podcast. May he
1: rest in peace and be with God.
0: And one of our friends, Tim, over once, and we were doing like a drunk movie night. We watched the Star Wars holiday special. Oh, this again? <laughs> <laughs> and I made Mark a drink just with like random stuff that I had in my fridge. And it, no joke, looked like a very dark purple, like almost black color. Oh. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to be good at all, but here you go. And it was so good, and I don't remember what I put in it because it was just a bunch of random stuff, so I can never remake it. It was a one and done. Yeah, I called it it death because it looked like a black drink, and I was like, I don't know if this is going to kill you or be really good. So
1: There's literally no in-between when you just start mixing random oh, things. Yeah. Just like an uh, alchemy, if you're familiar with the oh, practice. of course, yeah. Right. Or like making a as, potion. As one you, does. As one is. That's just like... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like one wrong ingredient and you're dead. Yeah. So I assume that also applies to liqueurs.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I was putting mostly juices into it, so I feel like it was okay. But... <laughs> You know, there's always that one wrong turn where you mix the wrong juices, and it's like, uh uh-uh. Cranberry juice, how'd you get in there? Coli. Yeah. (laughs) Like the back of the fridge Gatorade that everyone has. (laughs) But anyways, today we have a fun episode. If you couldn't tell already, we're already having fun. Oh yeah, I'm wearing
1: a fun shirt as well. You are wearing a
0: fun shirt. Yes, He's wearing a pink Hawaiian shirt for the audience who can't see him. Mm -hmm. But
1: But you can check out our YouTube page on Gems of History Podcast on YouTube, and we will be posting some clips of the episode. We have
0: a singular clip on the YouTube channel right now, so... We're getting there. It's a work in progress. Yes. And I believe
1: we have one subscriber, and it is currently the other podcast is YouTube <laughs> on the both Star are, Network.
0: Both of us are not video editing experts. So if you are, we're
1: figuring it out. If you are, and you want some, you want zero dollars yeah, for your you work, you want to be if, an intern for us. Yeah. But yeah, if you're interested in just doing this on the side, I mean, please feel free to reach out. Yeah. And Can you imagine that's the first DM that we get? It's like, yeah, I actually love doing things for free.
0: Sweet. (laughs) All right. I know two guys that could use you. Right. (laughs) But yeah, we're doing, uh, we've done this in the past where we kind of just picked a variety of shorter stories that we couldn't really do full dives on and did like a compilation episode. So. If you haven't listened to the first one, go back and do that. It was a lot of fun. We talked about Albert Einstein's brain going missing and how the creator of Kellogg's was absolute maniac. I
1: forgot about, oh my, he was the wildest boy of history.
0: Yeah. So I'm not personally going to talk about any circumcision resorts today, but. That was an interesting story that we told in the first time we did this. Now, I wonder how many people turned it off because of that. Yeah, <laughs> and went back to
1: listen. Yeah, like you're like, of what resort?
0: Yeah, you should go <laughs> listen. I think it's called like Missing Brains and Serial <laughs> Psychopaths or something and like that. Serial Chains. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: sure. Serial with a C? Yes, exactly. Thank you.
0: So, we're going to do that again today. Uh, mm-hmm. We got five stories for you from history. They're all pretty fun. I haven't heard Evan's, and Evan hasn't heard mine, so we're kind of going back to the original format that we had when we started the show, which is not telling each other interesting things about what we're talking about.
1: That was so chaotic. It was. Looking back at that, I kind of, what a
0: silly idea. I mean, in theory, it's a good idea, because it's like, oh, you bring the topic, and then the other guys ask questions that the audience might have. And then half the time, it's just like people are sitting there staring at you reading a story. Right. It's like, well, I have
1: nothing to say right now because I have no research done into this. And plus, I'm
0: not an improv expert.
1: Right. Exactly. And plus, our episodes were so much shorter back then, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, it depends. Some of them were way longer. That's also true. But anyways, I am going to tell the first tale from history. Mm. And the first one that I have is about... About a man named General Gregor McGregor. Not a Ooh. very creative name.
1: That is beautiful, though. He, is. he was born to be a general or a plumber. A plumber with like a wife that's slightly older than him that just nags all the time.
0: <laughs> well, he was not that. He was a scam artist. So. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and a very successful one at that. So, in 1821 London, right around the time of the coronation of King George IV, an exotic man arrived in the midst of the going-ons. An exotic man named Gregor McGregor. (laughs) Exactly. He he
1: just just reeks of palm trees. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) exactly. He is super tropical.
0: So, his name was General Gregor McGregor and he claimed to be the prince, or kazik of a land known as Poyes. This land, supposedly in South America, was beautiful and abundant, and according to McGregor, it held precious metals, amazing fishing and hunting spots, and amazingly fertile farmlands. The capital was St. Joseph, and it had a democratic government with civil services and its own national bank and military. And the city itself had wide streets and large mansions on every corner. So, El Dorado.
1: Basically. Do you want to know what uh, poies translates from uh, Spanish? Sure. Clown. Oh, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Technically, the, the formal word is payaso, but poies is like a... A derivative of it? Uh, Thank you, yes. Okay, so
0: he was from a a land called Clown. The Clown capital of the world. He introduced this strange exotic land to all of these aristocratic London-going people, and wouldn't you believe it, all he needed was a group of people willing to invest in this small nation to help it gain international notoriety. Huh a sleeper state if you will yes and even even if you're willing to settle there we have settlements that you could build it's perfect and you could get in on the ground floor
1: this is just like you know how there's just crypto bros yes like right now this is the back in the day version of crypto bros trying to get you to invest in like i don't know
0: remote cryptocurrency i don't know (laughs) It's funny because I just finished series, like the first season of a show called Our Flag Means Death on HBO Max, and it's all about Blackbeard and Steed Bonnet, who was like his co-captain for a while. Ooh. And it's a rom-com about like how they are romantically involved with each other. And, <laughs> and they have like this, this one dude on the crew, and they go to this fancy party, and these two dudes who are like, everyone thinks they're slaves because they're both black and one of them the guy introduced himself as like the prince of Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the whole time they're at the party they're like scamming all these rich people by saying that they can buy a pyramid in Egypt. Oh my, <laughs> and they're like you could be the first one. All you got to do is give us all the money that you have on you right now. Right now. <laughs> but that's all I was thinking of while I was reading through this story. Pyramids are a dime a dozen.
1: Yes. But if you want one of the big boys or
0: way more than dimes. Yes, if you want one of the big boys in Giza, Then you have to really pay up. So, after this introduction and this pitch meeting, tons of people wanted to invest and McGregor took people for all they were worth. But, who was this dude that was selling a country that I hope by now you have realized does not exist? (laughs) Hey, it's just your opinion that it doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I know for a fact that it doesn't. Ah. (laughs) So, Gregor McGregor was born on Christmas Eve, 1786. His family lineage was full of strong military men, so he himself joined the military at age 16, and his family bought him an officer commission. So basically what that means is you pay to rise in the ranks instead of training and getting it the right way. That's what you want in your military leaders. <laughs> yes, exactly, paying for their positions. Yeah, oh my gosh. So he actually did well in this role and eventually was promoted to a lieutenant in pretty short time. And when he turned 19... He married a woman named Maria Bowater, who was an admiral's daughter, as well as Filthy Rich. (laughs) Jackpot. Gregor used this new wealth that he acquired through his wife to buy another promotion to captain, spending around 80,000 pounds in modern-day money to get the promotion. (laughs) Wow, that is nuts. Not a small amount of money. Not cheap. But it skipped seven years of training and work that he doesn't have to do now.
1: <laughs> I guess I respect that part of it.
0: Starting the hustle young. Yep. He spent a year after this in Portugal during a peninsular war and then left the army and moved to Edinburgh. While in Edinburgh, he passed himself off to the high society there and took glory from his old regiment's accomplishments in battle, even though they achieved these heroic feats a year later after he left the army. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So, major scam art. Yes, he's already starting it off. His stories didn't stick, and he had to move back to London with his wife. And here, he rebranded again as Sir Gregor McGregor, Head of the McGregor Clan. Oh, wow. So now he's the head of a clan. Oh my goodness. Hopefully it's not the wrong clan. How much... Yeah, right. (laughs) Hopefully there's
1: not three Ks. Yes. How many rebrands does this guy
0: need? Holy cow. Oh, just wait. He goes even further with it. And this is the invention of marketing. Wow. Shortly after this move, his wife died, and with her, his source of income. So now, unable to fund his lavish lifestyle that he has created for himself, he reinvented again. (laughs) He sailed over to Venezuela to meet General Francisco de Miranda, a man who made quite an impression when he visited London. And Miranda was fighting a war of independence against the Spanish in Venezuela. And after hearing McGregor's lofty tales of being a war hero with his old regiment, the 57th Foot Brigade, which is actually true, he was made into a colonel. And Miranda gave him an entire cavalry battalion to command as well, with which he did okay. (laughs) This man has to have just the most trusting eyes of all time. Like, how do you
1: convince? He's got to be super charming. Oh, his charisma is at one hundred. Oh yeah, for sure.
0: Well, I mean, it's eighteen twenties, or not even eighteen twenties yet. So it's just like, how do you check any of this?
1: Right, there's no background checks or fact checking. Yeah, in there. exactly. They so, couldn't even look at his old tweets. Like maybe <laughs> they, he was problematic. They couldn't
0: even ask his wife because she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> but the highlight was his new wife Josefa, who was cousins with Simon Bolivar, the namesake of Bolivia. So he is just finding these women and somehow convincing them to marry him. This man, this is the smoothest man of all Honestly, time. Honestly, like he needs to play a bard in D&D because just oh absolutely. no way he's losing any persuasion checks. He's rolling nat 20s all over the place. <laughs> like, let's, let's back this up. He
1: married into an admiral's family, which and, was extremely rich. Yeah, and just got super rich. And then he moved to a different continent, yeah. became a cavalry commander. And then he married into the family that literally has a country named after them <laughs> yeah. Bolivia. Yep. This man, I'm not even mad at him. Like, I just respect this.
0: Like, it, honestly, at this point, you're just like, wow, good
1: on you, man. You're doing great. I need a documentary. That's going to be our first documentary.
0: All of, oh, by the way, all this information comes from the YouTube channel, Thoughty2. He did a whole video on it. So I use that for this information. So thank you to him. But. After he married his new wife, Gregor McGregor was promoted again to a brigadier general and actually started to perform closer to his title and eventually got to a division general and led a strategic and brave retreat with 1,200 men over a span of 34 days, which wow. made him into quite a national hero in Venezuela. Yeah. And according to military people who have looked at his retreat and the strategy that he used, it was actually quite brave and quite impressive that he was able to do this so i guess he he's not all talk he's actually performing somewhat up to what he says he can did step up when the when
1: going really got when the cards were down he actually did things honestly i half expected him to be like wait who can i marry (laughs) i will marry the enemy right yeah i will have two wives and thus mormonism is born
0: (laughs) right. By 1820, McGregor had fallen out with his superiors and needed to find another new identity to write for himself. So he sailed up what is known as the Mosquito Coast near modern-day Honduras and Nicaragua, and he traded some rum and jewelry with the king of the Mosquito Coast, a man named George Frederick Augustus, and in return for this rum and jewelry, he got 8 million acres of useless, inhospitable land. Can 8 t- million. Can you take a guess what this 8 million inhospitable acres of land is going to turn into?
1: The rainforest? The Amazon rainforest? No.
0: It's going to be Poyas. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> this fictional land of milk and honey.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, yeah.
0: That was bad. No, no, <laughs> I, thought, I your, thought maybe I could lead you there. But. Know your geography a little bit. <laughs> so... Evan. So, not letting this fact that this land is useless hinder his endeavors, he traveled back to London and began his biggest scam yet. As a realtor. (laughs) He once again transformed himself into a high society nobleman and told of his mysterious land in South America, which, as we've mentioned, is quote-unquote poies. His tales of military success in South America already gave him a bit of credibility with the people because the news had traveled back to London. And when he said that he knew of a paradise ready for colonization, all he needed was a bit of money, people jumped at the opportunity. But it wasn't just because McGregor was charming, he actually put in quite a bit of work to get this scam off the ground. While in London, in England as a whole, He opened Poyet's consulates all across the country, invented a military with ranks and everything, designed a flag, and came up with a complex banking system and a list of aristocratic titles for this new country. He got in the national newspaper and even hired singers to go around the country to sing ballads about this paradise that he was selling. That's not a bad launch plan. So he is actually putting in the work yeah. for this fake country scam.
1: That's pretty impressive. That's a lot to do to get this fake fake country off the ground. <laughs> Honestly, right into market. Holy cow! I wonder
0: what his wife's doing at this point because they don't really men- he didn't really mention his new wife in the video after the fact that they got married. Oh so, yeah, <laughs> I guess she's just like standing off to the back, like yeah, like oh, freaking again. <laughs> He's doing good. Just one time, can we become farmers or something? (laughs) Yeah, can we just do nothing for a day? Yeah. So many people were convinced that a prominent London bank even signed off on all of the fraudulent bonds that McGregor had created. Many people began investing their entire life savings to buy up land in Poyais or buy these bonds. Oh, no. (laughs) Can tell that this man who is doing very well for himself is now turning into quite a villain. Yes. (laughs) He's becoming the Joker.
1: Yes. I take back the. No, nothing wrong. Up to that
0: point, he was fine. They
1: always are. His
0: scams weren't hurting anyone at that point. Yeah. (laughs) Some people even said they wanted to become settlers on the land. So many, in fact, that they filled up seven ships in order to go there. In total, with this scam, McGregor raised around 23 million pounds when translated into today's currency. And after taking the money, he completely failed to mention that Poyez was totally made up and allowed these settlers to leave Europe, sail across the ocean to the fake country that they had bought into. And when men, women, and children left their homes and sailed across... They only found that they now needed to survive in this inhospitable and useless land. Oh, my God. I can't imagine, like, you're going to the
1: New World, you step off the ship, you're expecting, like, just some green pastures. Like a paradise with mansions and... Canals running through it. Right. There's just berries everywhere to be picked. Yeah. And <laughs> literal nothing. forest for miles. Oh, my gosh. And not, he was gone without a trace. Not, not
0: good. Many settlers on the, the new the wasteland of Poyais, I guess you could say, began to grow weary and irritable, as one is wont to do in this circumstance. I'd be a little cranky with some committing suicide and others dying of disease or malnourishment. Eventually, an envoy ship who was delivering to George Frederick Augustus found the settlers and took multiple trips to get them back home. But many still died on the Mosquito Coast from the two original trips, and the Royal Navy luckily stopped the five other ships before they got to South America because only two had gone so far. Oh, wow. So. Could have been much worse. I thought worse. we were talking all seven. Got no, there no, no, no. I, I failed to mention that before. But only two original ships went. One went by itself, and then another one, a bigger one, came after it. But it was still like 270 people or something like that ended up on the coast. What were the ship like? The crews of the ship?
1: Did they, assume, did they just drop them off and like, well, t- sucks for I'm you? I'm assuming guys. they were just charter boats, so you
0: just hire them to take you there, and then they sail yeah. back. So. And I guess they can't buy their ticket back yeah, because they have no money. Right, exactly, because you get off the boat and you're still expecting, okay, we just got to go through here, yeah. and then we'll see it all, and then you don't. Oh, like, it's, yeah, it's
1: right right over this next hill. Yeah, over, it's the, over, the, next over hill. the ridge,
0: over there. No, the other ridge. Just a little bit longer. Never found it. When the settlers returned back to Europe, McGregor was gone. <laughs> gone without a choice. Gone with their money. Gregor McGregor moved to Paris with his wife and repeated the same exact scam. No way. Making even more money this time around. Around 30 he was like 300,000 pounds in that time, which was 100,000 more than he had made in England. So again, this guy has to
1: be just evilly charming and like his wife has to be in on it at this point like she's seen the land at
0: this point she's got to know like why do we keep running from places yeah why (laughs) can't we
1: establish a home yeah
0: it'd be nice if we could just settle down we have literally 23 million pounds saved up in the bank why can't we just do this like normal now because there's always more money to be had there's always more scamming to do Mm -hmm. scammer's gonna scam but at After this had happened once, the French officials started to notice all of the passport applications for a fake country, eventually tracking them back to McGregor and arresting him. However, he was acquitted in 1826 and moved back to London with his family. He was eventually put out of business when the legitimate king of the Mosquito Coast started selling real shares of land in South America. And after a while, McGregor returned to Venezuela and lived off a military pension from his work in liberating the country, and he died there in 1854, never really facing any punishment for his scams. Dang, so he really got away with it, too. Yeah, pretty much. There should have been some kids and a dog. I know, and he was like pretty much single-handedly responsible for a stock market crash in England. It was oh, like yeah, everyone
1: I mean- was spying into this fake land. <laughs> Right. All the aristocrats, all the rich people that he came into contact with literally just lost all their money. He's literally like, like made off.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Where it's just all fake and just put on a good show. And then people, I mean, people killed themselves over it.
0: Exactly. People died because of him. So, not a great guy. No, that is. It's
1: an insane story. (laughs) That is such an insane story. But honestly. Keep your head on swivel, kids. Don't click on any random links that you see. No Nigerian prince
0: emails are right. Right. (laughs) Except unless there's that one, the one time that it actually works. Yeah. (laughs) And then you're just like, wow, nice. Right, yeah. No
1: one from, for example, like there are no Ukrainian women that are seeking your aid. There's no- (laughs) 47-year-old single man.
0: Yeah, there's no hot moms and like- there are two no, miles away from your house. There are no hot, there are no hot singles in your I area. Mean, there probably are some hot moms, but I don't think they're looking for you. No.
1: <laughs> and if you said, if you just said yourself, well, "Well, if they're looking for me, no, they're not looking for you." <laughs> just in look, particular, look in the mirror
0: and say, "I am not getting looked for by hot moms." Yes.
1: <laughs> you know how like there's a huge swing just with like affirmations. Like, people just looking in the mirror and, like, affirming themselves of, like, you can do this. You are great. Like stuff. I'm sure it's more in-depth than that, but I'm just picturing, like, someone taking, like, affirmations except to that. (laughs) To not get attracted by hot mom. You. Yeah, you. There are
0: no hot moms in your area. (laughs) There's just too many following you around that you have to make negative affirmations (laughs) to get rid of them.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful.
0: Anyways, Evan, what's your first tale?
1: So, my first story is going to be... Around the Great Schism or one of the great schisms of the Catholic Church, but in particular when there were three separate popes oh of the Catholic Church. Can barely handle one. Can barely handle one. <laughs> so from the years thirteen oh nine to thirteen seventy seven, uh, in the pap- or excuse me, in the Roman Catholic Church, this was known as the Avignon Papacy or the Babylonian captivity. And it was a time in the history of the church when the headquarters of the Pope was moved from Italy to France. And wow, can you say dramatic Yeah, about saying Babylonian captivity compared to just moving from one huge city to another <laughs> huge city? It must be rough. That is so dramatic. Like the Babylonian captivity was, for people that, that don't know, it was when the Israelites were literally... Conquered by uh, the Persian Empire and shipped to Babylon to work <laughs> as slaves. So, a little bit different here. Yeah. Uh, in 1377, Pope Gregory XI actually moved the papacy back to Rome. But after his death in 1378, the Catholic Church was thrown into an extreme
0: extremely strange series of events. I hope they hired the uh, Hunks Holland Junk, or whatever it's called, so they yes. could get these, these moves done quick and easy. Just moving
1: the entire basis of St. Peter's Cathedral from one place to another had to be <laughs> hup, such hup, a pain. Hup, hup,
0: hup, 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 hup. They just get the Amish involved because they can just pick up barns. Yeah, they can, can, can just raise barns. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, the people of Rome actually took to the streets to voice their desire that the papacy be kept in their city so they took to the street the roman people loved taking to the streets yeah, and causing havoc they have a very big like habit of doing that throughout history right like when in our nero episode we talked about yeah. that quite in depth that they would just whenever like a scandal happened in the royal palace they would just start knocking over things yeah they
0: literally loved the old queen so much that they just started destroying the statues of the new, new queen <laughs> yeah. uh, talk about a fun day
1: Right, but I mean, after all in their, in their eyes, Pope the Eleventh had just moved back to Rome right before he died. And Romans, just with their sense of national pride, understandably did not want the next pope to immediately pack up and leave for France. So there was a, there was a solid 60-plus years where the head of the Catholic Church, and you have to keep in mind this was a huge deal back then. I'm sure that would even be a huge deal in today's day and age. Yeah. Was actually moved from Rome uh, to France, and they just got it back. And as soon as this new pope died, they were like, "Wait, what if
0: they take it back? What if they move it to somewhere like Switzerland?" Can you imagine trying to move the Vatican like today out of the like Vatican City? all of the secrets that would have to be like completely hidden from everyone for like an entire travel it's just like oh where did all these young boys come from can you imagine loading the
1: ark of the covenant into a <laughs> <laughs> careful careful like that the spear of destiny the actual crown of thorns there's a literal
0: like restricted library in the basement that nobody can go into it's like all of that has to get moved
1: and i'm sure underneath that there's an even more restricted library that literally only the pope can go into and it's just coloring books he's that's what he does it's in a down coloring books <laughs> it's like the swear word
0: coloring books
1: it's just a bunch of blackboards with different <laughs> ass- assorted swear words just to like Finally. let them let them vent because they can't say the words but writing, it's fine. Right, exactly. <laughs> With unrest in the streets, the papal cardinals met in a conclave and elected Pope Urban VI to lead the Catholic Church. A large group of the cardinals, however, felt that the election of Urban VI had been a mistake that had only occurred because of the rioting Romans. So they were shouting, stop the steal. Ooh, pretty much. Look at that. History repeats itself. As a result, the disillusioned cardinals snuck out of Rome and elected their own pope, Clement VII. And of course, Urban VI, who was the already elected pope in Rome, scoffed at the selection of another pope and promptly excommunicated Clement VII. (laughs) And in turn, Clement VII excommunicated Urban VI. Nice. So you have two popes literally Spider Man memeing and saying that they're not real. So we have the Electoral College versus the popular vote. <laughs> the, oh my God. That's the biggest parallel of history I think we've ever really had on this show. Which one wins? Yeah, right. Urban Sixth remained in Rome and Clement VII returned to Avignon. So France, basically going back to uh, Avignon, which was the town in France where the papacy used to be held. And a majority of the 1300s. The Christian countries of Europe then began to fall in line between the two popes, so basically kind of choosing which one they preferred. Pope Urban VI was, support, was supported by Italy, Germany, Hungary, Poland, and the, Sc- the Scandinavian countries and England.
0: That's a lot of really big fighting countries.
1: Those are all the countries that love to fight. <laughs> I mean, Germany, <laughs> yeah. Germany Scandinavia. <laughs> this is when Scandinavia, I believe, was on their like raiding England Ex- shit. Ca- too. Except Poland. Except Poland, yeah. Poland has never done a, any. I shouldn't they say put that. a screen door on a submarine. But... <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, as England was on the side of the Pope in Rome, it was not surprising that France and Scotland, along with the Spanish countries of Castile, Aragon and Navarre were on the side of Clement VII in France. So we're beginning to see the beginnings of what could potentially be a civil war, not civil war, a but like international war. conflict. Yeah, pretty much a over world war. Who,
0: over who the Pope is. That's a big deal back then. And then King Henry the, or King, yeah, King Henry VIII is going to come yeah. in in like 200 years and just be like, we don't have a Pope anymore. Yeah. There's two rules.
1: We don't have a Pope and none of my wives have their heads. <laughs> Eventually the Council of Pisa in fourteen oh nine was called to seek the end of the schism between the two popes. So so at so at this council, they elected a new pope. (laughs) Add another one. Alexander V. Then they decreed that the other two popes should step down in favor of this new pope. The popes of Avignon and Rome wildly
0: refused to, to comply. <laughs> I hope they join forces and <laughs> do like a big, like, arm grab handshake. And yeah. they're like, let's do this. <laughs>
1: the enemy of my enemy is my pope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there are now three popes the pope of Rome, the pope of Avignon, and the pope of Pisa. Which, again, what's kind of pepperoni? I hope it was a buffalo chicken. I've been on a real buffalo chicken pizza grind, like Frank's Red Hot Buffalo Chicken, then also like experimenting with different, like making it myself, I mean. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's been such fire. But I'm going to make half
0: our audience mad when I say that pineapple does go on pizza.
1: Oh, I'm completely with you. Yeah. Like I'm I'm literally drinking fire pineapple (laughs) right now, so. It's so good. People just like to be mad at things that are popular. Yep. And I'm talking to you. The, yeah, one that the, you, same, the you, same person that's yelling at himself about hot moms. The,
0: the guy hitting your steering wheel in your car right now while you're listening to this, that's you. We're, we're talking to you.
1: <laughs> we've, said so, we've said some things on this podcast in our <laughs> that's the two years. Like, can you imagine? Out. So at this point, there are three popes and Alexander V, so the last one uh, to get elected pope, passed away and he was replaced <laughs> by John the Okay, and just a quick FYI, since you're probably like 23 Johns. Wow, a lot of times in the Catholic Church, uh, when a new Pope was elected, they just took on the surname of, or not the surname, the forename. They just took on the name of one the of the official more official name. Yeah, one of the Popes before him. So, for example, John 23. His original name was probably like Bill, <laughs> but like that just doesn't roll off the tongue, pope you know? Bill. Yeah. Not William. Bill. Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you dare call him Billy. <laughs> I've been pointing at you a lot. I'm going to put this thing down. <laughs> yeah, stop it. Yeah. Uh, but John the uh, 23rd called the Council of, Council of Constance in 1414, hoping that he would be legitimized in favor of his rivals in Rome and Avignon. However, in 1417, the Council of Constance put an end to all this crazy nonsense. By getting rid of all three of those popes. (laughs) So
0: it took them 40 years to be like,
1: none of you. Yes, and instead they had their own election. And the elected pope, Martin V, became the sole pope and finally restored the Catholic Church to stability. So three people just became not the pope anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That is a wild turn of it. You wake up one morning as the pope and you're like, I guess I'm not anymore. Yeah, you're like, wow, God's chosen speaker. Hmm." And now I'm just again I'm back to Bill. Yeah, I'm a normal guy again. And it's just funny that John the Twenty Third called for this, thinking like, yeah, this is just me in the bag.
0: And then, no, nope. like, nope. you're not even a pope anymore either.
1: Yeah, but it's just kind of interesting that this is one of many schisms or splits that happened in the Catholic Church throughout history. Like there was the Great Schism of the 11th century uh, when the Eastern Orthodox Church was created. And the Reformation in the 16th century was also a pretty pretty big pretty schism. Big, pretty good, big deal, yeah. Pretty big implications for the founding of the New World as well. And it's just very interesting that whenever like there was a schism, or, for example, when these new popes popped up, technically, I mean, of course, they were all promptly excommunicated, but technically, this was considered heresy, and technically... Anyone could kill these popes on sight if they wanted. <laughs> so let's say you were for the Pope in Rome and you ran into the Pope from Pisa. It's on sight.
0: We're on a papal hunt and don't
1: <laughs> think we don't know how to weed them out. They just start busting into like one of the
0: classic hymns or something. <laughs> Bikers start chasing them now. <laughs>
1: yeah. But that was just a funny little, little funny little story of just classic Christianity. Oh
0: man, I'd love to see popes fight each other. That'd be hilarious.
1: This Thursday, Thursday, <laughs> Thursday,
0: tune in. Pay per view WrestleMania featuring Pope Alexander V, and he's like walking up with his cane up to, <laughs> up to the ring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Grandpa, you got to go underneath the ring now.
1: Later in life, he was like, "Back in my day, I was a pope," and it's just that <laughs> meme. It's like, "Okay, Grandpa, let's put yeah. you, let's let's set yeah, you down." Exactly.
0: Oh, what a tale! So you're saying that the Catholic Church hasn't always just been a beacon of hope and perfect alignment? Not sure how you want me to answer that
1: one, but <laughs> no. Okay. Sorry, that was another point, <laughs> putting this thing down.
0: Oh, are you ready to hear about quite the interesting man that I had never heard of before I found a subreddit that other, mentioned him?
1: Other than Gregor McGregor, huh?
0: Other than Gregor McGregor. This guy might be a little wilder than Gregor. Like, Gregor McGregor had a good story because it was like very wide-reaching and impacted a lot of people's lives mm. this guy's just kind of nuts so it's, it's very fun very excited let's dive in so i looked it up and there's like three ways to pronounce his first name and like three ways to pronounce his last name but i'm going to go with tycho brahe is his name okay So Tycho Brahe was a brilliant 16th century astronomer who laid out a lot of what we know about the stars before the telescope was even invented. His findings led the way for those like Johannes Kepler and Isaac Newton to set the laws of planetary motion and general motion that we know today. But, aside from being quite brilliant, he was also extremely eccentric,
1: how are they using the word eccentric here? Oh. Like, did he just talk with his hands a lot? <laughs> I probably. <laughs> also, props to him for just eyeball- eyeballing Dude, those bad boys. This in space. guy was
0: insanely smart, but just very weird. Uh, as most very smart people tend to be, right? Their brains can only do so much. Yes. So Tycho was born in December of 1546 in Denmark as the oldest of twelve children. His family was nobility, his grandfathers and great-grandfathers had served on the councils of Danish kings, and his family was extremely wealthy. At a young age, he was basically kidnapped by his aunt and uncle to be raised by them, which his parents apparently didn't object to, for whatever reason. They just let him be taken.
1: They just just sent a ransom letter, like, we have your son and we're raising him as, as our own, and they just
0: respond, okay. Cool. Cause he was apparently the only one of the children in the family that wasn't raised by their mother. So, very weird that they just let this happen.
1: That is a very odd motherly instinct. Just be like, yeah, it's fine. The go. first, the first one can go away. Yeah. That was the first one. He was too. the
0: oldest of twelve. Yeah, of twelve. Yeah, and the rest of them were all raised by the mom. But oh my he, god! They just let this one get kidnapped by the aunt and uncle, and they never, never went to get him back. Wow, (laughs) okay. So, regardless, he received a well rounded education during his childhood with his uncle pushing him to study law. And he did study law, but he also studied medicine, which led him to study alchemy and botanical cures for ailments. Around the age of 13 or 14, he witnessed an eclipse, which made him curious about the stars. So, in between his studies, he would look up to the sky and begin studying the stars. Absolutely brilliant,
1: man! Those are some pretty hard like areas of study to really just dive into. At, like twelve, yeah.
0: You're just studying law, medicine, and alchemy. <laughs> Not a bad resume, I guess. He's got it going for him. So, being the oldest of twelve children in an extremely wealthy family meant that he was heir to vast fortunes. And once he was grown up, he left the care of his aunt and uncle and set out on his own. At some point during his life, I even read that he inherited wealths plus his own dealings, and it may have led him to hold about 1% of all the money in Denmark.
1: That's nuts. That's how oh rich gosh. this
0: guy was.
1: That is incredible. It's an insane amount of money. You just account for
0: 1% of a country's GDP. Literally. <laughs> that would be like... I think Walmart has like 2% of the GDP in the United States. So he was almost as wealthy as the entire corporation of Walmart. Insane. At around age 20, Tycho got into a heated argument with a classmate who was said to possibly be a cousin about who was the better mathematician.
1: (laughs) That's the nerdiest thing I've... Hey, I guess. Sure, why not?
0: And... As two mathematicians are wont to do, they saw no other way to settle this spat other than to have a duel.
1: (laughs) This is the one time they've gotten violent in their entire (laughs) life up to this point.
0: So so these two, like, I'm assuming nerdy guys Mm -hmm. are just going out to the field to fight with swords.
1: Oh, yeah, this is before the time of the footlock Way before guns, Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So they're doing it with swords. Beautiful. During the duel, Tycho was struck on the face and got a cut on his forehead, and also lost a very good portion of his nose. Ooh! Needless to say, he lost, but he proceeded to replace his nose with a metal prosthetic. It was said that he wore like a brass prosthetic for normal days, and when he was going out to an event, he would wear like a silver or gold one. Oh, pulling off some fits! And he was said to always make sure to keep adhesive on him in case it fell off. <laughs> that would oh, that ooh. talk about ooh. ruining a first date. Your nose falls in the spaghetti. <laughs>
1: first date, kind of nervous, and it's just a picture of a man with a metal <laughs> it's nose like hanging off. All right. Uh. So, uh, where are some of your hobbies? And you're staring at the
0: nose. Yeah, exactly. I hope it had holes in it so you could actually breathe. Cause oh, yeah, how did he breathe? Otherwise, that would suck. He was a huge mouth <laughs> Probably. <sighs> so, even though he was eccentric, he was never really an outsider, most likely due to the fact that he was nobility and the fact that he had just a vast amount of money. <laughs> yeah, try
1: being mean. Try. I dare you to make fun of the, uh... The guy's nose, but he owns
0: like 1% of your country. (laughs) Literally. It's hard to give him crap. But he made an interesting decision because instead of marrying another noble, he decided to break the mold and married a commoner with whom he had eight children. Aww. So that's kind of cool. Good for him. This was the talk of much scandal amongst his peers, naturally, but he stayed with the same wife until he died. Isn't that wild that that's
1: considered a scandal? Like, he married for love, and people are like, how could he? Unbelievable. He's not keeping the bloodlines pure. <laughs> Ew. I hate when... Probably, like, marrying, like, a cousin. Right. I hate when... Let's never use the word bloodlines again. That kind of freaks me out. But that's... Yeah. Back in that day, fam, like families just had the wealth, so we would probably just be going to his... Maybe his other aunt and uncle, right? Maybe I, his like niece or something.
0: Well, you wonder if he couldn't get he like tried getting married to a noble woman, but she saw his nose fall off, and she's like, um, "Um, maybe not." Yeah, there's some other people. I think Frederick over there is pretty cute, so I'm gonna go over there.
1: Right, and he had to settle for
0: poor old Agatha. But they were happy together, and that's what mattered. In his adulthood, he was quickly gaining notoriety as a fabulous astronomer, astrologer, and alchemist. His scientific observations were said to be much more accurate than others at the time. And even though the telescope wouldn't be around for seven years af- until seven years after his death, he recorded accurate positions of over 700 stars without it. Wow. So he was, doing the, he was putting in the work. He also discovered the supernova in 1572... And wrote a series of essays on the movement of comets. So this guy was very, very smart. Dang, that is incredible. He did a lot of work to push the the field of astrology and astronomy forward. So was this still his side hustle at the time,
1: or was he? No, just, by now by he now was now like he...
0: doing this full time.
1: Wow, that is incredible.
0: But carrying on with his wild side, Tycho was said to have a strange pet. Most account- Wait, can I guess? Yeah, I'll give you. Two guesses.
1: Okay. Can I just get one There's there's, a mul-
0: there's multiple answers that could possibly be correct, because they don't know for sure which one it is, but there's two possibilities, so. Was it a liger? No. Dang, that was a <laughs> shot in the dark. Um, one
1: hint, is it a mammal? Yes. Quite big. Well, yeah, quite big.
0: Was it an elephant? No. Ah. Most accounts list it as either a moose or an elk. Claiming it would act as any other loyal pet and stride alongside his carriage when he was travel when he was traveling and lived in the castle.
1: Wow, I never thought that moose would ever come back on the show. <laughs> I know, after... I was gonna
0: I was gonna say we've talked about it before, but then I would have given it away right away. So. Right,
1: yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you
0: imagine just a full grown
1: moose just trotting along these yeah, pavement streets?
0: Apparently tamed it somehow, so the story goes that one night, Tycho received a request to send his moose and or elk to a party to entertain the guests. The animal arrived at the party and apparently got into the beer stores, becoming quite intoxicated. The animal attempted then to climb a staircase, but was too drunk and fell down the stairs no. to its death. No. So <laughs> he had an alcoholic moose that killed itself <laughs> at a party. <laughs> I looked a little more into see if like moose could actually get drunk, and they can, because when I typed in, can moose get drunk, I found a story from 2011 in which a moose got drunk off of fermented apples and got stuck in the apple tree. No way. <laughs> so then the authorities had to get it
1: out. How the heck did I end up... I can't imagine... That's so weird picturing a moose with a hangover. <laughs> right? Like stumbling around or something. Right, just ordering a buddy mary and the bartender's <laughs> just like wiping down the bar like hair of the dog, the bitch, eh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but back to Tycho himself and his interesting quirks. He also owned a house slave named Jep. You say Jeff? Jep. Oh. So Jeff but with two Ps instead of Fs. But Jep wasn't just any household slave. Tycho described Jep as a psychic dwarf jester, who was supposedly the source of entertainment for Tycho with jokes and tricks. A psychic
1: dwarf jester. Yep. How did he happen upon this man? <laughs> like, did do you, do you just put that in, like, Zip Recruiter? I have no idea at the time. Apparently,
0: like dwarf, like household dwarfs were just like a thing for a while. Oh like, no! Like they just kept them as pretty much pets. And there was one king, uh, I don't remember where he's from, but he apparently like tripped over his pet dwarf and fell out a window, <laughs> and died. <laughs> Good fuck that guy. <laughs> but the dwarf came with him. So. Oh no! Because like he tripped and was falling out the window, and the dwarfs like, "I'll get you," <laughs> and then just got pulled out of the window. Wow, talk about ride or die. <laughs> oh
1: man. Crazy times back in the day. That is not. And was this here again? Like what's uh, this? This is isn't here?
0: like the 1590s, probably. Oh wow. So yeah, not too long ago. But Tycho even thought that Jep was psychic, as you can get by psychic dwarf Jester, and could see the future. However, when eating dinner, apparently Jep was made to eat underneath the table. Ah. Uh, Fuck this guy. quite demeaning <laughs> I, to that but i guess it was the social norm at the time so social yeah that you is can't really say he's like a terrible person cuz he I, I don't think he meant any harm by it but. sure that is
1: that is nuts <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like this is like wow you just never really that's never been talked about ever he's yeah
0: that's, so we had there's weird traditions that just kind of came and went and this guy was a part of it, apparently, and he's, he's an, as I mentioned, eccentric guy. Tycho, 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 come on. So one last tale I will tell of Tycho is the fact that he may have had an affair with a notable woman. Mm. you want to take a guess who that would
1: be? So in the 1500s, was it like royalty?
0: Yes, living in Denmark.
1: Ooh, that doesn't, I, I don't know.
0: The Queen of Denmark. Oh. I thought, I, thought you were, I thought you
1: were looking for like specific name. I, I was thinking like Queen Elizabeth the or something. No, no, not like specifics,
0: that. just like a position. <laughs> oh. But yeah, see so he, he is supposedly had an affair with the Queen of Denmark. So Tycho was granted an estate on the island of Fen by Danish King Frederick II, along with money to build a castle observatory and a research institute. However, when Frederick II died and Christian IV took over, Tycho quickly fell out of favor with the royalty and lost his observatory. And this is where the rumor comes in, because one of the rumors for Christian's hatred of Tycho was because of rumors that the astronomer had been observing more than just the stars. Like that ass. (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly that ass. (laughs) (laughs) Tycho had been having an affair with Queen Sophie the Queen Mother of Christian. So whether it's true or not is just lore, but it's still a lot of fun. <laughs> that is a lot
1: of fun. Imagine losing your entire observatory, castle, and islands just because of... Because you
0: wanted a piece of that.
1: Because <laughs> of, again, dad ass.
0: <laughs> There's even rumors that he is part of the reason for Shakespeare writing Hamlet. Oh. So... That's just, like, kind of people connecting the dots and saying, like, he's a weird guy that had an affair with the queen and then was exiled, so... Wow, a real uh, cultural icon at the time. Yeah, he had a lot going on. Tycho Brahe went into exile in 1597, shortly afterwards, being invited to Prague to serve as the imperial astronomer to Holy Roman Emperor Rudolf II. He died in Prague in 1601 And rumors about his death swirled around for a while, with some saying that he was perhaps poisoned by his assistant, Johannes Kepler, because Kepler wanted access to all of Tycho's work. Right, another famous astronomer. But modern assessments disproved these theories and found that it was most likely a bladder problem that killed Tycho Brahe. The most fun story is that he was possibly drunk at a royal banquet and thought it would be rude to excuse himself before the host so he refused to get up to go take a pee and his bladder eventually burst and he died from complications from that oh no <laughs> so, that has to be one of the worst ways to go so he was just being a respectful guy and wouldn't go take a piss he just <laughs> wow at he some died point in, he died in a very taiko way
1: <laughs> at some point you have to just like Say screw manners and maybe yeah. just take it on the chin for this one.
0: His moose died at a party because it got drunk, and he died at a party because he got drunk and wouldn't go to the bathroom. Right, too
1: much wine and just let that store. Rub the seal too early.
0: And thus ends the career of the mad astronomer Tycho Brahe, an eccentric genius who pushed our knowledge of space to new heights.
1: Wow, that is absolutely fascinating story. <laughs> Crazy. This man is extremely interesting in like the amount of commitment that he had to... Study all those different fields of practice or excuse me, practice all those different fields of study. Hello. And uh crazy thing, like astronomy was just his side gig to start and then just became he became one of the founding fathers of where the stars are. And now we have he missed
0: like the heyday of it too. He died before it really got going, like for real,
1: for real. It's crazy that he was just eyeballing those bad boys and now we have the uh, Hubble.
0: Is it the Hubble Telescope? Well, now we have the James the the Webb Telescope. Right, oh, that one's a new one. That one's sweet. Have you seen the pictures from that thing? They it, are insane.
1: It makes me feel so small. It's like why am Why do I even care about anything? <laughs> I love it, dude. It's so cool. No, that's like just how expansive our universe is, yeah. and how. Metal spaces. Well, and like, like so now cool. we're
0: seeing new pictures of like all of the planets that are near us that are just like way better looking than what we thought they were. Oh, right. So, like so, love ma- that for them. Glow up.
1: Yeah, literally. So Mars just isn't like a red rock anymore. It's an <laughs> actual. The picture of Jupiter yeah, blew my that, actual pants off. That was
0: the coolest one, I think.
1: Yeah, crazy. that was so cool. It's just gas. It's, it's so. Oh, it's crazy. It's like, crazy. It's
0: crazy to think that we could just fly and do that. Like somehow it's still like a ball floating in space with gravity and moons. (laughs) Okay. We're getting way We're getting way into Tycho territory
1: here. We need to just, yeah. Right. We just need to like have Neil deGrasse Tyson on or something. Yeah, Right. If you're listening, come on. I'll
0: text him. We got his number. He's a big fan. Oh yeah.
1: Loves our Lizzie Borden (laughs) episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Evan, what do you got
0: for us? Absolutely. Awesome story.
1: So my last story for us, It's another one, uh, Central and More, and it's one of the wars that, again, just doesn't really get talked about too much uh, in the United States or, I guess, in your history classes. Uh, This one is part of the Cold War, but it's it's kind of one of the—it's more of, like, the precursor to Vietnam, which—so what I'm referring to is the Korean War. (laughs)
0: Yes, that would, Landed be, the plane that would
1: be it. <laughs> I try to sound like so philosophic on that one. It's just like, yeah, just say the Korean War, man.
0: So, Cold War time before Vietnam. Any guesses? Um, <laughs> the World War I. <laughs> <laughs> the French Revolution. The French Revolution, yeah. I have a lot of guesses. Yep.
1: But by November 1950, the Korean War was in full swing. Uh, And this is when the People's Volunteer Army of China actually entered the conflict. And they came via the northeastern Chinese-Korean border on the 27th of November. And this new development of the war took U.S. forces completely by surprise, because we were not expecting China to jump into the Korean War. U.S. Marines, under the command of General Edward Allman, were based in the Chosen Reservoir area, and they were accompanied by UN troops. And the total number of these troops were approximately thirty thousand. However, they were soon surrounded and outnumbered by one hundred and twenty thousand Chinese soldiers. China has a lot of people. They have all the people. <laughs> yeah, but, them and Russia are just like let's just put people out there. Like, we just talked about a man with 1% of the GDP <laughs> yeah. for Denmark. China just has, like, 20% of just
0: people. Yeah,
1: exactly. The UN troops broke, broke free and withdrew to Hangnam, inflicting heavy casualties on the more numerous but less well-equipped and trained Chinese. This, however, left the U.S. Marines that were stationed there alone and facing freezing temperatures and rough terrain as they sought to make their escape. So the combined UN troops got the hell up out of there, and the US Marines kind of stayed back to give them the opportunity Did to Did Bear retreat. Grylls show up to show them how to survive? Can you imagine you're trying to just survive you're in the Korean War holding Hill 317, and Bear Grylls is just drinking his own pee <laughs> being like, it's terrible. Guys,
0: guys, this helps a lot.
1: <laughs> right, just making fire out of stones while you're trying to shoot (laughs) bear get out of here right like we get it we have things that just make instant fires now pick
0: up a rifle jimmy over there just got shot in the head
1: yeah grab his helmet and get going temperatures hit so this is the lowest temperature that was recorded uh it was 38 degrees celsius which froze the ground roads became completely ice over and crucial technology and, of course, weapons began to malfunction in these extreme temperatures. One side effect of this was that tank fuel pipes froze over and would then eventually crack in some places.
0: Did they have a, like, figure skate-off to see who won the battle? They actually, that's how
1: they decided the end of the Korean War, funny enough. That is, that's what I read. That's what, yeah, it's, it's, in, the, it's in the archives. A lot of people don't know that. I mean that's why we started this podcast to bring people this knowledge. Yeah, we
0: really do have to breach these barriers. Yes, get the knowledge that people need. Exactly.
1: Exactly. It was General Lee Curtis versus the Chinese general. Who I'm not just going to pick out a random Chinese name because I thank you. (laughs) I was like
0: I can't think. It's yeah. It was they. Well. You know, it goes back and forth. There's two of them, and then they finally decided on one, and Mm -hmm. the other one tried to take credit, you know. It was actually a full March Madness
1: bracket between the two different. (laughs) (laughs) And then the two winners had to skate off to the (laughs) death. To Similar to yeah, they just skated until one died, <laughs> so, so, just like yeah, Dancing who is, Plague. Who was that
0: one figure skater that like cut the other one with their skate after she was like in competition or something? Do you remember that? There's like an Olympic figure skater oh, who like cut one of the other competitors with yeah, their skate. I don't remember. No, what her it name was is.
1: Uh, oh, they just made a movie about it with Margot Robbie. Um, but she hired someone to break the ankle. Or break ah, the knees that's what it was. Yeah. Of uh, oh, that's gonna break her me. kneecap. <laughs> right, with a lead pipe. Oh, that's going to bother me. I'm sure it'll come to Someone's
0: me. Someone's screaming in their car right now because yeah. they know who it
1: is. But I'm <laughs> sure it'll come to me when we start recording preppers. Yeah. But um, anyway, so the fuel pipes on the tanks and all of the vehicles for these Marines were freezing over and cracking open in some places, making their position more perilous, basically saying there's no way out. And at the same time, they ran low on mortar rounds. So mortars were huge in the Korean War uh, just because the uh, Korean Army and the Chinese Army just didn't have the technology.
0: You're just bombing hills pretty much, And you're just bombing the shit out of hills. That's like the one disadvantage of having a higher position is like you can just shell the crap out of it.
1: Right. You think you're uh, safe there with the high ground. Anakin. Anakin. (laughs) Or Obi-Wan in this case. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Obi-Wan. If only Anakin had a mortar. (laughs) (laughs) He just he just throws it at him. (laughs) Uses the force. Boom! (laughs) What a different movie that would have been. What a whole entire different series. Wow. (laughs) With the with the situation looking dire, the U.S. Marines made a request for more mortar shells. They waited patiently, and then waited some more, and then waited some more. Three years later. And eventually, they were delivered. An entire box of Tootsie Rolls.
0: Ah, you see. The hard chocolate candy. Ah. <laughs> okay. Would launching it out of a mortar help?
1: At this type of temperature, it might. I mean, if that it's That would hurt enough, a lot. Oh, I would be very peeved. Getting
0: <laughs> it launched at you.
1: I would be ticked if I mean imagine if I threw a Tootsie Roll at you right now.
0: Yeah, and that's just throwing it. Like, launch Using it out a of a mortar. mortar. Yeah.
1: But the reason why they were delivered this huge box of Tootsie Rolls was because it was so common to use code it was words. Christmas. Because <laughs> Yeah. Because they were super good boys that year. And <laughs> to... the Korean War. It was their stocking.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But it was very common to use code words when making requests via radio, and mortar rounds were actually codenamed Tootsie Rolls.
0: Wow. So someone really fudged that one up. Yes. Pun yeah. intended.
1: Right. Nice. And after the crest went through, the person on the other end truly thought that they meant that they needed
0: Tootsie Rolls well, at the front lines. Naturally. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're, you know this platoon is stuck in a battle. And you think, oh, they want Tootsie Rolls. Yeah, that's totally natural. (laughs) Of course.
1: They send two communications. It's A, we're pinned down bad, and also B, we need some sweets. (laughs) Can you give
0: us some candy? (laughs)
1: Right. But uh, you may be thinking, like, how did this happen? It was actually very common, uh, especially in the Second World War, that Tootsie Rolls were a quote-unquote essential part of their ration pack just because they were a nice little treat because they lasted forever and could survive any conditions and they were just a nice little chocolate treat for for soldiers.
0: I love that they can survive any conditions and last forever. We're just like, yeah, let's eat them. It's probably good,
1: probably good for you. Well, I mean, when's the last time you had a Tootsie roll that hasn't been in a bowl for 17 Literally. years? Literally. It like, just
0: they just sit in there and then it's like a rock by the time you eat it, but it's still fine. Right, you're
1: going in, you're going into like a random office and you're like, "Oh, look, there's some candy." And then you, yeah, it's just been there for 60 years and at the it, least.
0: You, the first bite tastes like grandma's house. And you're like, yep, this has been here a while. Right. <laughs>
1: so naturally, this should have been a complete disaster. But the Marines were extremely quick on their feet and just used a very, very, a huge sense of ingenuity. Um, and the Tootsie Rolls, like you all know, are solid lumps of chocolate. And when they landed, the Marines actually, of course, discovered that, hey, these melt in our mouth. Wait a minute. These can melt over flames. And once they were turned into a soft putty of sorts, they actually used these melted Tootsie Rolls, put them on the fuel pipes that had cracks on them and sealed them off. And believe it or not. This worked to keep the fuel in and to start the trucks and the tanks I because thought you were it gonna, was so cold that these toffee treats would then like immediately harden.
0: I thought you were going to say they actually shot them out of mortars. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, <Boom>. no way did <laughs> I actually get this right. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Loading a clip in like an M1 Garand. <laughs>
0: Just... I, would, I would wager to say that putting it to seal a fuel tank is crazier right. than launching it out of a mortar. But Like a fuel tank on a tank. Yeah. <laughs>
1: With the tanks up and running again, the marines were actually able to attempt their, their escape. They of course encountered heavy casualties just due to their being completely outnumbered when they were leaving the chosen river area. However, a majority of marines did make it back. And those that, are, that, those that survived, in part thanks to Tootsie Rolls, actually nicknamed themselves the Chosen Few. So that kind of concludes the story of how Tootsie Rolls actually saved U.S. Marines in parts saved lives, saved the lives of thousands of U.S. Marines in the Korean War. So the chosen few were saved by the chosen chew. That was th- <laughs> that, <laughs> on, that was beautiful. I am on fire today. <laughs> that was that was beautiful. That was nice.
0: Oh, I mean, I guess I have a newfound respect for Tootsie Rolls. Can yep. they put a banner on their truck that says I served? Because <laughs> they served every... in more than one way. Because they served dinner and yep. then their dessert. And then they also served in the Korean War. It's like every single
1: time you open a Tootsie roll, you have to thank it for its service. <laughs> yeah, and then eat it. <laughs> and then eat it promptly.
0: As you do with all veterans. Right, yeah. <laughs> Naturally. Whoomst Among Us hasn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: But yeah, a little little fun little story for you. All right,
0: my last one's actually a war story as well. <gasps>
1: Oh my goodness, which candy? This is actually when they use Gobstoppers to, shoot,
0: ah, to I mean, shoot. I mean, mine has brown logs in it. Oh. Not that you eat, though. Oh no. <laughs> it is formerly eaten. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, mine is about World War II. And as many of you probably know, World War II saw one of the first instances of submarine warfare being implemented. The Germans specifically had their infamous U boats, which caused plenty of problems for the Allies, but they still weren't a perfect war machine at the time because it was still pretty much a prototype of modern submarines. And one of the biggest issues with submarines in general during World War II was one that everyone is familiar with the bathroom.
1: I've always, I'm not going to lie, I've always wondered this. Like, how does this work? I will
0: explain. Uh, Before we go ahead. In naval terms, it would be known as the head. You know, got to get that out there. And Thank you. While this wouldn't seem like a big deal, the pressure inside of a submarine meant that they couldn't simply dump waste into the ocean because then you would lose pressure inside. So the alternative was to use storage tanks to store the waste and then eject it upon surfacing. But that obviously adds quite a bit of weight and takes up a lot of space. And the Germans didn't want to do it that way. So they... Came up with a way to avoid that. The German engineers came up with a solution to both of the problems, and it was a quote unquote high tech toilet. Oh no. <laughs> so, an HTT, if you will. Yes, exactly, which will be the reference for it for, from now on. <laughs> so, the basic way that this toilet worked was by directing the pee and the poo through a series of chambers and valves that deposited in a pressurized airlock which would promptly shoot it out by the out of the sub with compressed air. Huh, very high tech to get rid of shit.
1: Right, I mean, you have me so far.
0: <laughs> However, the design of the toilet was so complicated that it actually required a specially trained operator on board each submarine that had a H T T on board. Can you imagine going through boot
1: camp, going through advanced training, going through submarine training just to be the poop guy? The poop
0: guy, yeah. So this this person was known as the waste disposal unit manager. R. Hmm. Official title. I'm sure that's what probably. It probably was... sounds way more intimidating in German, but right. He's wait. He disposes of waste. It, oh no. He knows. The Einsatzgruppen. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> One submarine with such a toilet was German U-boat designation U-1206. The ship was ordered to be built on April 2, 1942, and was officially commissioned on March 16, 1944. It would be one of the last U-boats to be sunk during World War II. It served in training exercises until July of 1944, when it was handed over to be commanded by. Kapitan Lieutenant Karl Adolf Schlitt. Your German accent is incredible. <laughs> so, not to be confused with Schlitt's beer, Captain Schlitt took it out on two more training patrols in March and April of 1945, and U-1206 departed for its first active patrol on April 6th, 1945. Just over a week after setting out, the sub was cruising nine miles off of the coast of Scotland, and all was good. But duty called for Captain Schlitt, and he headed to use the HTT. After finishing his captain's duties, Schlitt decided that he could probably figure out how to flush the shit himself. (laughs) No way. (laughs) However, he quickly realized that he had no idea what he was doing and called in the Waste Disposal Unit Manager. The toiletier misjudged what the problem was and proceeded to open the wrong valve, causing tons and tons of water to come spewing into the submarine, including the remains of what was in the toilet. No, no. <laughs> so, yeah, it was not, not good. No way. <laughs> so the HTT is fighting back. The HTT, yeah. <laughs> Literally. All of this water dripped down below the toilet area and into the batteries, which soon began pumping highly poisonous chlorine gas into U-1206. Captain Schlitt commanded the boat to surface and opened the hatches to begin dumping out the poisonous gas, which would have been fine on a normal day. However, Almost immediately upon surfacing, the Royal Air Force saw them and began to bomb the ship, which killed one crew member and damaged the boat. <laughs> oh, this, has, this is literally the worst day this of, is, for this them. This is literally a cartoon. This, oh, this is absolutely something out of Monty Python. <laughs> this is like a South Park skit. So the U-boat was now a floating paperweight full of poisonous gas, so Captain Schlitt commanded the, flo- the flood valves to be opened and sunk the vessel. The crew made their way towards the shore in rubber boats, and all of them would be captured, aside from some men who would die on the way back to the Scottish coastline. After the events, Captain Schlitt continued to deny any allegations of misusing the toilet, Ah. saying, I was in the engine room when at the front of the boat there was a water leak. What I have learned... Is that a mechanic had tried to repair the forward water closet outboard vent. I would say, although I do not have any proof, that the outer vent indicator either gave false readings or none at all. Ah, uh, trying to put it- I feel his, like uh, I did like a French mix with German there. <laughs> hey.
1: They're in the same region, so I give you props, but the only thing worse that could have happened to that crew in this whole day is like if they just happened like when they surfaced and got like the rubber ducky boats. I assume they're duckies, to get back to the, the Scottish coastline, that there were just sharks. Yeah, right, exactly. And like they were like, oh, now there's sharks to deal with.
0: Great, this might as well happen. Historians tend to side with Captain Schlitt because there is a lack of definitive proof that his bowel blunder caused the issue. But whatever happened on April 14th, 1945 in that bathroom caused the boat to flood and eventually sink. The wreckage of U-1206 was found in the mid seventies by BP workers inspecting an oil pipeline, and it remains off the coast of Scotland to this day. Really? It's still down there. It's still
1: there. Huh. I guess it probably takes quite the machinery to get yeah, that bad boy up. It's so. not
0: really worth it. Right. There's plenty of shipwrecks under the, the ocean that we haven't found, I'm sure.
1: This will be National Treasure 4. <laughs> yeah. They go get down. The poop up. Get the, yeah. <laughs> it's actually been like where the Spear of Destiny is. He just needed to sink yeah, the bad boy. Yeah. yeah, Hitler was
0: trying to get rid of it. Yeah. But as many of you know, Hitler shot himself in the face a little more than two weeks after this happened. So that shows you how close to the end of World War II this actually sank. That is... I can't imagine just
1: trying to... Because I know being in that U-boat was probably not great conditions and just of course that day was just so bad but like how if someone to how do you not laugh a little bit right exactly it's like yeah of course you're a POW at that point but how do you not well, just die laughing it's not
0: only like the poop stuff it's like the fact that they surface and immediately get shot at by the royal air force it's just yeah. like how could this have not gone worse like there's
1: no way that could go any worse <laughs> it's so and then it starts raining after all of them says that exactly. or
0: something exactly so yeah, that's the story of U-1206, the disastrous U-Boat adventure. <laughs> oh, Literally out on its first active-duty mission. <laughs> that's active incredible. Active-duty mission. Nice. That is incredible.
1: Oh, I, man, I hope you guys all like those stories. <laughs> those th-
0: these, these are fun. These are some of the funniest things that I had to do research on. So,
1: And there's just so many. Like I was a con- little concerned, like, can we find enough... Ridiculous stories like this to populate an episode.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. We can. I, I found an entire Reddit thread on r/slash history that was just like, "What is the funniest occasion from history?" In your opinion, that's where I got Tycho from, and that's where I got the U boat from. So right, yeah. There's there's plenty of stuff out there, and that's also oh, where yeah. I heard about the uh, the dwarf pet guy that fell out of a window. Right. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh man. Well, I hope you guys definitely. I mean, I know I enjoyed yeah. these stories, but really hope that you guys enjoyed them as well.
0: Yeah, we're doing some fun ones because I have I, I know we're we've been talking about doing some more uh serial killer episodes coming up, which aren't are decidedly not as fun. I will not be these. wearing
1: a Hawaiian shirt on yeah, those days. So,
0: but I mean we haven't done one in a while, and I know there's a lot of people out there that love true crime stories. So we're trying to hit hit that market a little bit as well. So yeah. I've been doing I'm doing a lot of research on Elizabeth Bathory, which I've mentioned in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the most pages of content that I've ever read on a topic. And all of it is like contradictory. Oh, no, really? <laughs> so it's like, I'm, I'm maybe you'll get like a 45 minute episode on the actual true stuff. On oh, my this. gosh. <laughs> so it's an insane story and it's like very interesting, but mm-hmm. a lot of it's very dry. because it's just like, Hungarian trials went to like this at the time period. Is that the book with the weird translations to yeah. yeah. All of them like the book that I bought for this the Elizabeth Bathory episode. It is literally the first 6 pages there's one page that's just translations of how to pronounce Hungarian things. Oh my. And I it's it's a it's a whole mess. And then like every source spells them differently too. So I don't know how to pronounce them, but <laughs> right. so, so get ready for me to mispronounce literally everything.
1: Well, I'm just going to be very quiet that episode. <laughs> right. Unless you send it to me now, then I'll start yeah, and right, maybe exactly. get the pronunciations down.
0: But anyways, that's all we got for you guys for this uh, second edition of the Wacky Compilations. Oh, yeah. Using Wacky again. But yeah, we'll we'll definitely do more of these in the future, I'm sure. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you haven't listened to the first one, I do recommend going back and listening because there's a oh, lot yeah. of crazy, ep- crazy things going on in that episode as well. Evan talks about popes in that one, too, I think. Yeah. Except <laughs> Am that, I just like secretly Catholic? <laughs> like, what is <laughs> it's that? It's <laughs> infiltrating your mind. Right. Yeah. Except that one was thrown into a river. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, the one thing that I didn't put in this episode because there just wasn't like it wouldn't be long enough to do like a story on it but during the assassination attempts on Franz Ferdinand that started World War One uh so the first guy that tried threw a grenade off of the back like canopy of the car that was rolled down and it bounced off after he failed he tried to take a cyanide tablet which didn't kill him so he tried to jump into a river which after jumping over the bridge, he found that the river was only four inches deep and then he got arrested. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of funny stuff that happened in history.
1: Goodbye, cruel world. Ankles (laughs) (laughs) Ankles stepping <laughs> <laughs> in mud, yeah.
0: So it's a rough day for that guy <laughs> at that point. Yeah, he's just turning himself in. <laughs> the whole assassination of France Fernand is in it, just insane. How like everything happened. So it really is. I mean, if we wanted to do like a build up to that, yeah, like
1: they. That is one of the crazier assassinations, because the way they actually got him was just so, like...
0: Yeah, it was a guy that got denied by the black hand that was just sitting at a cafe and ended up with them taking a wrong turn into his lap.
1: Yeah, like, you can't even draw that up. That is insane. History's wild. It is. But anyways, Evan, where can the people find us? Oh, I just cut you off when you were going to get into it. No, all good. If you want to continue the conversations with us, talk about your favorite moments in history, maybe some funny stories of history that you know, you can find us on Twitter at gems underscore history. You can find Jacob at Jacob from Wisco. You can find myself at whatevskis. You can also find us on Instagram, uh, Instagram, Instagram instagram.com backslash gems of history podcast. I don't want to do the underscoring anymore. Just look
0: up gems of history podcast.
1: Yes. (laughs) And you can also find us on YouTube and on TikTok at Gems of History Podcast, which we're, I know Jacob mentioned, we just have a few videos on both of those, but we'll be looking to sup up our content on there as well.
0: Yeah, we are doing our best to try and come up with the best way to create videos. We'll probably we won't do full episode videos because that's just it takes a lot of work and prep for that, and a lot of materials that we don't have access to because we're not rich. Poor. (laughs) We're not in control of one percent of the GDP of America. Not yet. (laughs) But yeah, we're gonna do some. uh, We'll we'll try and do some like, few minute clips here and there. So, yeah, look for those. But, Evan, I know you wanted to plug something that you are proud to announce.
1: Yes. So in case you haven't seen on the different social medias that we just mentioned, we're actually expanding the Star Podcast Network. Uh, myself. Cody Marenthal and Drew Schrader, who have both been co-hosts on several shows of Gems of History, we are actually starting our own fantasy football podcast slash football news podcast called Draft Day Preppers.
0: Hey, you guys have a few episodes out already. I know nothing about fantasy football, so I I will not be making many appearances on that show unless it's just talk shit, but... Hey, that's completely fine. (laughs) We're, We're totally
1: good with that, but... Yeah, it's just one of, I mean, it's just another random passion that that I have. You know, I love talking history, but at the same time, I I have a background in football and absolutely love the sport. So this was just kind of a natural extension of our podcast network, if you want to call it that. And yeah, by the time this episode airs, we'll have three episodes dropped with the next one coming tomorrow. So, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, please feel free to tune in and you can find us on all those same social medias on Twitter at Draft Preppers, on Instagram at Draft Day Preppers, and then on YouTube and TikTok. But yeah, if you want uh, any, I mean, if you want to get in contact there. Please feel free and give us a like, listen, subscribe, five stars.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: We're growing, baby. Yeah, that's
0: cool. I'm. Hopefully, we can uh, keep expanding. Hopefully, these yeah. shows catch on and we can get like some uh, real listener bases going and maybe get some money rolling in one of these days. Man, can you imagine someone paying us? <laughs> yeah, paying us, <laughs> us to do a podcast <laughs> <laughs> out of your basement. <laughs> right. But yeah, uh, I'm also going to, I, I posted in the Facebook group for Gems of History discussion that we're looking for stories again. Halloween is not right around the corner, but it is coming up. Oh, I'm so excited. And we're hoping we can do another episode where we read a bunch of the listener stories. And so if you guys have some stories that you want to submit, it can be a ghost story. It can be a like a true crime horror story that you were involved in, anything really. And if you want to send those in, email them to us at gemsofhistorypodcast at gmail.com and include as many details as you want. The longer, the better, honestly, because we'll read, we'll read it out and then mm-hmm. people can really get a feel for the atmosphere of the story. And just let us know in the email. The one thing that we ask is let us know if we can use your name, because if you want to be anonymous, that is completely fine and we will not mention who sent it in. But yeah, we hope to hear from you guys again, and we can do another episode where we intermingle some of your personal stories in there, because that's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, love the gems of horror. It's yeah, episode coming so up so again. Much fun.
0: Yeah, we'll read some uh, creepy pastas and intermingle real life stories. Or if we get Ooh. enough, we can even just do an episode where we just read yours. So would love to do it. Let's see what happens. But yeah, the, that's all we got for you guys this week. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this uh, short form compilation episode again. I these are always so much fun.
1: I do. I do love these. And again, I'm always worried like, will we be able to populate an entire episode? It's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah we,
0: we, we got this. We're almost at an hour and a half. So I think we're good. Oh my to god. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we did get enough. Time
1: <laughs> truly flies when we do this show. It does it's so indeed. much fun.
0: Yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. We will be back next week. And everybody out there for the meantime, stay polished and be kind to one another.